You are listening to the In Context podcast. And welcome to another edition of the In Context podcast. It's me and Graham again, and we're chatting about preaching once again. Uh, And we're asking the question, uh, why do you not see us so many preachers with accents like mine and Graham's? (laughs) (laughs) Why do you reckon that is? Why don't we have preachers who sound like the, the cast of Last of the Summer Wine or Bite a Grove? (laughs) <laughs> you're saying you're a Geordie now, are you? Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's funny. One of the uh, I was just saying to you, one of the one of the um, one of our supporters from America um, put, sent me a message and said, uh, for the in context podcast and, and for your sermons, will subtitles be available so that we can uh, uh, understand what you're on about? Um, yeah, I think I don't know. I, so I think one of the things is that. Um, a lot of the training and stuff is is not necessarily done in our context, and I don't just mean forgotten communities. I mean the north, um, and actually, a lot of the voices we hear preaching growing up um, are are not northern ones. I, I can think of in FIAC churches. I can think there's less than five pastors probably in FIC churches with a Yorkshire accent mm. in Yorkshire. I think it's probably similar to North East, is it? In FIC churches, yeah, there's probably, well, there's there's Matt, myself, uh, and I think a couple of guys in, in, in Sunderland, possibly some of the smaller churches, but predominantly the, the larger churches, uh, the more successful ones will be uh, Southern or mm. even foreign. Yeah. <laughs> But it's the same thing there, mate. Um, the same thing there, isn't it? Southern and foreign. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing is, I mean, the churches I grew up in, if I think about the pastors in the churches I've been in all my life, you know, my the first church I grew up in until I was 18, first guy was Southern, then there were a guy from Northern Ireland, then there were a guy who were um, Southern again, Southeast and uh, Northern Ireland and then and then now we're in a church with Lewis Allen who's basically from France and he's that southern um so um not that any of that's bad and I think that's what we need to keep saying that don't we mm. you know we're grateful that there's people from around the country and even around the world wanting to reach you know the north of England and and to put it out there we're actually encouraging people yes. to join us and we're looking to recruit people so if there's anyone from down south or abroad, who would like to come and, and work with us, then please get in touch. So do not hear what we're not saying. We're not saying that there's not enough, uh, that we don't want people coming here. What we're saying is we want more people from here being trained and equipped to preach. Yeah, and trained and equipped to to preach in their own voice. Yeah. And I think that's the thing is that, so when I, not when I first started preaching, but when I, first was working for for a church and preaching and then as the assistant pastor and stuff people people described me as the clone of of lewis Mm. and like i've literally heard those words and i think i think i just all my life had heard people who who said the rachers in the pulpit and people who who you know didn't use slang and um they said you know whatever else and all my life, that's all I'd ever heard. 
I've maybe had one or two local guys preach, you know, who were maybe elders in a church or whatever. They just preach in a church for a one-off kind of thing. But I'd, I'd certainly never heard a pastor preach in a Yorkshire accent, um, apart from maybe one guy. Um, and it wasn't until I was 32 that I first heard somebody preach with a Yorkshire accent um, and uh, using local dialect and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and uh, I mean, that was Mez, so he's flipping Irish. You know, he's just got an Halifax accent, you know, because yeah. that's where he spent a lot of his childhood. So I think it was a real struggle for me. And then even when I did start going, when we came here especially, people said to me, oh, you've got much broader, even in your day-to-day speech. And I was just like, well, I don't think I have. I just think I'm spending time with normal Yorkshire folk again. I'm not, you know, spending time with a lot of students from all around the country and all that sort of stuff. And also, I'm just developing the confidence to to speak and to preach in my in my own voice. Mm. Um, and I think there was a resistance against that from some folks. Mm. So I can remember being told not to say "now" in pulpit in in the pulpit. Mm. Um, and it's like I'm in Yorkshire. That's that's just how people talk. You know, I was preaching at local church last Sunday, Sunday before. Uh, and somebody said, oh, it's really refreshing, you know, to hear now and out and summer in pulpit mm. um, because the, people just don't hear it. Mm. And so I think that it's important that we speak with an authenticity and we don't all just copy whoever we've heard from all over the place. Mm. Um, because, yeah, we get we get we get accused then of of, of being somebody else in the pulpit from who we are during the week and I think we need models for young lads growing up in the north of England mm. you know he who aspires to be an, an overseer aspires to a good thing and I thought I couldn't be a pastor because I didn't have the right voice I didn't wear the right clothes and I didn't fit in 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 what I thought a pastor was and so I think we need to find ways of having models for people mm. you know whether that's working class lads or blokes who talk with an accent or um, black, black or other ethnic minorities or whatever, there need to be models for these young lads growing up that they can see someone who looks and sounds like them in a pulpit. And I think for most lads in the north of England, that they're very few and far between. Yeah, sim- similar to what John and Wacheka was, was saying, uh, there was uh, an interview of some young black men who had uh, done well. And, 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 and this guy who was a bit of an entrepreneur said that he had to be someone that he couldn't see. Yeah. Uh, he had no black role models in the business world that he could follow. And I feel a similar thing with him uh, within the church that there's uh, nobody, <laughs> I had to become somebody that I couldn't see. There wasn't anybody from up north uh, speaking or looking like me. Uh, but to be fair, when I was being trained on the Yorkshire School of Christian Ministry, who was that guy from Brighouse again, Stephen? Stephen, yeah. He was the pastor from Northern Ireland that I heard. Yeah, yeah. So what was his surname? Bowers. Stephen Bowers, that's it, yeah. He actually said to me, learn from me what you can, but don't lose your personality. And I didn't really understand what he meant until uh, 
I started wearing tweed. <laughs> <laughs> and that brown card jacket you used to. <laughs> and you wore it, I remember you came to our church, you had a brown card jacket and a brown woolly jumper on. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> yeah. Just a, a fashion faux pas. <laughs> uh, <laughs> See, that's a, that's how you've learned from Stephen. You've learned words like faux pas. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was the case of do you know what? Let's let's uh, deepen in theology, mm. but not lose uh, your personality in explaining it to others. Yeah. And again, obviously, you don't want to be in, in the pulpit and be coarse or you, you, you don't want to be deliberately provocative or you don't want to lose people by just being lazy, but you, you need to be authentic. And there's a difference between trying to be somebody who you're not and being lazy. I think uh, being authentic is, is something different. We work hard. You need to be theologically robust. Uh, there's There's... There's no points gained by uh, watering things down, but it is actually harder to be able to explain a difficult passage passage simply. Yep. It's not about uh, we're, we're trying to take shortcuts. Sometimes you need to work harder to be authentic if you want to try and communicate the gospel uh, in, in a language that isn't theological. Uh, yep. it, it's so easy, isn't it, that once you start training that you just... Uh, presume a lot when you're in the pulpit and you start preaching to get a better grade uh, yep. and trying to impress uh, your lecturer then then speak the gospel to the hearts of of your hearers did you find what was your biggest problem Assim assimilation to the majority culture was was mine dressing and trying to speak like them uh, which meant i lost my people uh, did you struggle with assimilation i mean lewis uh, a very gifted man not in fashion, though, did you? <laughs> wearing red trousers. And uh, <laughs> did you try and become like Lewis eating couscous? I didn't try and become like Lewis, but I think I think I became bog standard cheesy church planter. Yeah. You know, para um pair of Reebok classics, mm -hmm. some some jeans and a check shirt, you know, that were me. Um Although I did used to, when I first started preaching, I did used to wear a suit. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I honestly can't believe that now. Um, I think that was just the culture I grew up in. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I, I'm funny. Well, I am funny anyway, just odd funny. Um, but for me, assimilation, it depends what I think of the person. Mm. So um, I remember when my brother's at, uh, he works at Oxford University and, and went there and stuff. He got all the brains. Um, and I remember the first time we went down to, to visit him and we sat at a pub and um, some of his friends came and they were like, you know, made the Queen look common kind of thing. Um, and, and my brother spent all the time laughing. And after his mates had gone, I said, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, Don like assimilated and went all posh. In how she was speaking and stuff, he said, "You sound like you come from Barnsley, <laughs> you know, proper, proper broad." Um, and I think it was because, like, all these, you know, posh people. And my my initial inverse snob reaction was, "I don't like you, so I'm going to make it as hard as possible for you to understand." But if I really like someone, if I think you know they've got something to say and I've, I've, I'm learning from them, I will I will copy them, you know. Um, and so 
I will try and fit in. Um, and it's not, it won't until I realize, I think like you, you know, you've always said that Rachel gave you a telling off, did she, that she couldn't understand a word you're saying and you're dressed like a fruit kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I think it, it won't until, I think the FIC did a video, um, like when they were doing all those videos and, and, and they came to our church when I was at Hope and, um, I watched that video and it kept getting played everywhere. It was a little leaders conference. And I'm like, what do I look like? What am I talking like? Um, and then we moved here and I was getting to know the lads here. Um, and they were like the lads I grew up with rather than the kind of a lot of the people I'd, I'd spent the last six or seven years with working in Ludsfield. Um, just because you know, a lot of people in the church from from around the country. Um, so I'm getting to know the lads here, and that I, it just rubbed off rubbed off on me, and I just I reverted to 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 finding my own voice and and how I dressed and stuff. So yeah, I think I, I've been like I've gone both ways, and it depends entirely on the the situation or um, you know whatever um, how I've done that. But yeah, I mean now. Um, I kind of, I think I just try to be, I've, I've got fed up of trying to copy other people and trying to fit in and just go, yeah, I'll just be me and I'll dress like I'm still, we're still in 1990s <laughs> and I'll talk like, talk like me and, and hopefully um, that's a lesson to learn. But I think the, the process of getting there was really quite painful, really, because, um, you know, I'd be preaching and thinking, why am I talking like this? I'd listen to my sermons back and I'm like, why are you talking like that? You know, why are you using those words? Why are you why are you using those illustrations that you don't actually know anything about? You just think, you know, make you look cool. Um, and they didn't. Um especially when people who did know about them came up and corrected me on them. Um and why, you know, why are you dressing like that? Um and I think, yeah, if you're a young lad getting into preaching, the key is right, learn as much as you can, but but don't try to be somebody else. Because the Lord's made you you to reach whoever. And and, and people can sniff a fraud at, at 10 miles. So um, you know, fight to be you. But I think you've got to you've got to learn from all kinds of different people. You've got to listen mm. to all kinds of different people. Don't just listen to guys all the same as you or guys all different to you. Listen to to people all all, all different styles and backgrounds and stuff and bow your own furrow through that, for want of a better phrase. So who who is your uh, go-to preacher? Who would you uh, like a role model? Who do you think? It depends. Be? Depends what I want. Um, so like if I'm so yeah, like last Friday I was miserable, miserable as as out, um, and I needed I needed a gospel preaching to me. Mm. So I was just doing some exercise. I just put I, I went into YouTube and I listened to H. B. Charles preach Isaiah fifty-five. Absolutely smashed it, you know, and he's just like, it was just so good for my heart. And I think, you know, sometimes like that. So I, I listen to guys like him or to be here or someone like that. Um, uh, you know. So, so he's so it's funny. So I, I've listened to, to to Dr. Robert Smith Jr., H.B. Charles, uh, to Beatty or uh, Bodhi. So the the majority of preachers I listen to are American. Mm. Uh, John O, he's another great preacher, uh, and the majority of preachers that I listen to are black. So why do you think the white northerner 
the Northern English dude is finds more in common with a black American preacher than he does with a white Southern English preacher? Yeah, difficult question, isn't it? I mean, I think I think for me, some of those guys, this sounds really harsh, and I know the guys who, you know, who we might think of as, you know, your, your Tim Kellers or your, I don't know, whoever else, you know, the, the, the white Southern guys. These guys come across to me like they mean it, mm. you know, and I know that's a style thing, and I know that's just, there's a preference there that there's a bluntness and, a, and they mean it, and there's a, you know, you listen to Tabiti and he's always got a chuckle in his voice, <laughs> you know, and it's like, yeah, I like that. There's, there's, there's some of that, but then, you know, so I listen to those guys, but then I, you know, if I want to, I also listen to, you know, the other day I listened to Andy Prime or, or, or Mez or, and, you know, Andy Constable or whoever, one of those guys from, from Scotland or, but then I listened yesterday to Christopher Ash. Mm. You know, like he's so posh, and he's preaching into it because those those sermons on the Gospel Coalition website they're, so, they're quite old now, probably 15, 20 years old. Mm. So the church he was preaching into then really, you know, little village, kind of very posh. Um, but it, it was very different to how I'd preached it. But it it did my heart good, mm. and so I think I my go to is is those kind of um, larger than life kind of guys. Or, you know, someone like Mezzi will just tell you how much of a loser you are for half an hour. Um, but then I want to get out of that culture and listen to other guys as well mm. who will who will help me think in different ways or whatever. So I love listening to Dick Lucas, mm. um, you know, and, and he really is the poshest man in the world. Mm. Um, but I won't want to sit and listen to that every week, I don't think. Mm. But it's helpful in my preparation. Mm. Um so I think you've got to you've got to listen broadly, mm. but I think there's just something with those guys, you know, like like you say, like H. B. Charles or, or or John or someone like that. Passion, that's the word. Yeah, it just it just chimes, doesn't it? It's like there will be. I think that their style of preaching mm. is is more like you and I would preach. Mm. So it's blunt, mm. it's straightforward, and there's always a joke or two in there. And I think that is, I think it's just that culture chimes. Mm. Um, it is more the like the, the Northern working class, for want of a better word, culture, mm. than maybe some of those those guys that that might be held up at, at some of the conferences and stuff in the UK. Mm. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, how, listen broadly and widely, so Dr. Robert Smith Jr., hopefully he will be, being interviewed in May, we're going to chat with him uh, 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 about his book, Doctrine That Dances, but his preaching is heartfelt, is passionate. He 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 uh, shares his weaknesses and makes much of Jesus' perfection, and he uh, then ends singing. <laughs> A bit like... <laughs> Good job, man. you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even, even, even if I could sing, I wouldn't, but that's, that's authentic. Uh, sorry, the authenticity within him doing that. So he preaches uh, in his own style, and I think what I've noticed is his preaching isn't just from his sermon preparation. It's from decades of loving Jesus, mm -hmm. decades of... Uh, a 
experiencing joy and suffering and having the gospel minister to his own heart. And, and I think what you find in some of these older men of God who, uh, when they preach, you're learning so much more and they're given so much more than just what they've prepared yeah. that week for that sermon. It's their life, I think, is, is what is attractive to me. I tell you, as someone who's been a go-to for me in lots of ways who does that in a different way, you know, in a, in a very different culture, is Sinclair Ferguson. You know, you go to him and, and he'll preach an hour, hmm. you know, and you know he's got three words and notes on in front of him or whatever. And it's just like he's so soaked in God's word hmm. and he's so soaked in, in those passages. He's preached them so many times and, you know, he, he'll just be like, here's, here's 12 things about, about this passage that you've never even thought about or said in a different way. And I think that's that's why... Um, you know, it's, it's it's helpful to listen widely, isn't it? Because if we only listen inside our own culture, mm. um, then or we only read inside our own culture or whatever, then we'll only get insights like ours. You know, we need we need insights from other cultures. Me and a, a lad from church just started reading that reading while black by Saul Macaulay. Mm. You know, and and the guy's from a different culture. I mean, he's African American, but he's also an Anglican and stuff. And you know, some of his the ways he, he reads the Bible, maybe not how, how we would read it, but it's a point he makes in that, and it's it, it's something that we need to grasp, is that I need that other culture asking different questions of the Bible to help me see the full the full um, roundness, I guess, of, of, of what God's Word is saying. We need those other cultures speaking in, um, to, to, to help us see the full the full glory of God's word. And, and I think what speaks these men that we've mentioned, the authenticity isn't just about being who they are, uh, personality-wise. It's who they are in Christ. They're, mm. they're authentic because they love Jesus and make yeah. much of him. And that is what excites me when I'm listening to a preacher is his passion for Jesus and a, a, a passion for Jesus doesn't need to mean that you're best in the taste like <laughs> so, some northern preachers might do. But it's 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 having a genuine love, seeing that 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 what this man is preaching, he's lived out and yeah. and 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 has uh, molded him to to be who he is. And again, it's not so much about charisma as that I don't know an unguardedness. I think a lot of preachers go into the pulpit guarded trying to protect an image and I think we should go in guarded and I, I understand the argument that we uh, shouldn't let our personality distract from who Jesus is but we still need to be honest and uh, show who we are and, and what Jesus has done for us despite us uh, yeah so again I think that's been a big barrier this cultural uh, environment that we've been brought up to which is dominated by one culture which is white yeah middle-class academia which there's nothing wrong with that and you've you've said that you've benefited from i've benefited from but i think when that's all you're hearing yeah i think it doesn't encourage others from different cultures to to, to grow it in their preaching yeah. Definitely. but we also miss out on on uh, the multifaceted uh church what what god has given us uh it, it's just uh such a varied church, isn't it? I mean, 
I'm just convicted looking in that I've, I've not listened to any Korean preachers or Chinese. Do you know what I mean? There's, you think you're being diverse because you <laughs> listen to somebody, uh, uh, just one person from a different ethnicity. Wow, yeah. the, the church is so diverse, isn't it? It's, it's unreal. And yeah, uh, what resources have you even read? Because again, when I look at that, I'm trying to diversify my reading because uh, I've been banging on about diversity, but just really only concerned about working class and middle class and felt convicted that even I'm hypocritical <laughs> and probably one of the least diverse people ever. But the benefits I've had from reading from other cultures, is there anybody that uh, you've listened to or, or, or read who's uh, helped shape your ministry? Yeah, so I guess... Um, uh, I mean, the thing is, right, that one of the problems can be that our ministries are shaped by people in complete you know who we don't know and and i'm pre i'm preaching uh matthew 7 the, the second half of matthew 7 this week and there's all that stuff about false teachers and you know by their fruits you'll know them and stuff and one of the things that that comes through there is like you need to if, if you if we want to know what ministry looks like we need to live alongside some people and so I would say as much as he's completely different to me, like the, the biggest influence on my ministry was, was working for six years with, with Lewis. Mm. Lewis Allen, you know, he's, you know, we're like chalk and cheese in lots of ways, not in others, but in lots of ways. But he's someone I, I saw work out what ministry looks like. Mm. And, you know, might do it differently in a slightly different context. But um, I think... So there's that, you know, there's, there's getting alongside people and working alongside people and seeing how people do ministry. And that's what, again, why we need mates in ministry in it as well. Mm -hmm. People in different contexts or similar contexts or whatever we can go to and, and talk to. Um, yeah, I think I've just tried to... Um, I think reading outside my culture in terms of, like, most of the people who... Um, I've read or, or who've written books are outside of our culture mm. um, because like you say they tend to be generally on the whole southern middle class guys mm -hmm. um and so i think i'm i'm always doing a bit of contextualization there mm. um but you know i i i've I, well just reading stuff from some uh, I did a wedding and got some expense, load far too much expenses. So I bought the the complete works of John Murray, hmm. and it's like that is complete. His entire life is completely different to mine. You know, he's in America. He's a Scottish guy, and he's a Presbyterian, and you know this and that and the other, and just he made me think. Um, but then trying to read in different cultures. So I love um, the Beatles little book. Um, it sounds like we're trying to. Um, Big him up all the time here, doesn't it? We're talking about him loads. I'm trying to big him up since you've asked him to come on podcast. Um, to be here, we need you. Um, but yeah, his little book, The Faithful Preacher. Do you know that one? Yeah, yeah. Where it's just like, like some absolute monsters, like pastors. The guy, that black guy, who was a pastor of a white congregation at, at the end of the 18th century. It's just mental, you know. Um, and so little things like that, just reading outside of culture and then just just reading and, and, and interacting with people who are working in similar cultures, I think, you know, um, whether that's, um, you know, reading someone like Church and Our Places or, or whatever, or 
or um, you know we're reading together as a, a group of blokes at church at the minute we just started um, uh, John Benton's book that's been reissued God's picture for small churches or something just reading stuff from people in in small churches mm. I would say the one thing that's really the one book that's really shaped how we do things as a church was was um, the compelling community mm. by Deborah and, and Dunlop um, just thinking through what it means to be a church but yeah I think I think just finding people from different things different cultures different backgrounds I mean that's much more of what I do is I just listen to folks mm. just listen to loads of sermons by by different people um, and I try to diversify as much as I can so, so here's a danger for us that we have uh, seen the main issue is that we've been arguing for because we come from majority white context. Middlesbrough, I think, is 92% white, yeah. uh, predominantly white British. Uh, there is other ethnicities here, but again, a, a high proportion of them would be white European. Uh, so there is a, a, a small Asian and, and, and black community, but the North in general places like Leeds, Manchester, Newcastle have uh, much more diverse yep. uh, demographics. So we, we, we're saying we want to be for the north of England, yet everyone involved is white. So how can we avoid uh, the same pitfalls that we've been arguing and fighting against as white northerners? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, you can so easily fall into this uh, monoculture with even if you're starting off trying to be diversified. Yeah, I mean, it's been brilliant for us recently um, as a church. I mean, we are, we are, click. I mean, we'll see when the new sentence, census data comes out, but the, the 2011 census, Click was 98.9% white British mm. uh, and the rest were Polish kind of thing. Um, I think it's a bit less than that now, but not massively. So it's, in a very multi West Yorkshire is a really multicultural area, um, uh, but um, it's a very white area. Um, but um, now with with some new folks that have joined us, um, including their kids, half our congregation is black or dual heritage, mm. um, and it's like it's so helpful for us as a church because we have to think through well, what does it mean that those little boys, we've got four little black boys in our church family now. What does it mean that if we're not careful, they're only ever going to see white fellas up front or, you know, whatever. How do we, how do we help them? You know, that John Anwood Chugger thing about mm. had to be someone I, I, I couldn't see. How do we help them? And I think we've, we've got to think about that. It is, it's really helped us think through, well, what does it mean now to disciple people in those kind of things? I mean, we're straying a bit from preaching here, aren't we? But you know, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, it, again, it does impact how we preach. If our yeah. congregations are changing, then that we need to remain uh, authentic. But we've got to diversify in illustrations, applications. We need to be. So we do the sermon feed forward, where we sit and uh, go through a passage before we preach it. But if we have got just white people. In that feed forward, we're going to miss uh, so many, because of our blind spots, miss so many yeah. things what God is speaking to us as a diverse people. And again, you can only do what you can do, but that's been the excuse of the British church for so long. How can we have working class people preaching if there's no working class 
uh, Christians, well, that, that isn't an excuse, and we, we need to avoid using that as the same excuse and think how can we divert the gospel into these areas where it's not being preached there. How can we preach the people that are in the church? Because there's plenty of black Christians, there's plenty of uh, Asian Christians, but are we encouraging them uh, to preach in our churches? Are we encouraging them to uh, serve in our churches or go on to our seminaries? And yeah, I think it's something that we need to to look at now because in, in five, ten years' time, our context is going to be completely different and we need to be ahead of the curve, not behind of it, don't we? But it's also, you know, it's a classic another thing in preaching, isn't it? When we don't, you know, I guess it's a stereotype, but the bloke who stands up at the front and does, it's all football illustrations or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, the the classic thing was, oh, what about the women who don't like football illustrations? Well, most of the women in church, like in our church, like football more than the, the some of the men do. Mm. You know, so it, it's not so much about the men and women, but it's about... It's about thinking through, right, who's in your church? How do you preach? How do you use illustrations? Mm. I can't remember if I've said this on here before, but there's a few people in our church love Formula One. I just don't get it. I mean, it's like, I don't know. You just drive around in circles for three hours, don't you? What's the point? Um, but, you know, if I do a football illustration, you know, I, I'm good at football misery. I'm a Huddersfield Town fan. Um, but they're, they, um, they're not going to get that. And so I just said, right, I'm going to learn about Formula One. Mm. And I still don't know about it, but I kind of know who the teams are and the drivers are and et cetera, et cetera. So that when I'm thinking, oh, I need an illustration for this. All right, well, that happened at the weekend to Lewis Hamilton or whoever. That'll be a good illustration because that will chime with them. And I think it comes down to doesn't it? Knowing, knowing the people you're preaching to. So knowing how what their culture is. And the only way we're going to get to do that is by knowing them. Mm. And so as much as anything, preaching is about knowing the people who are in front of you um, and, and really getting into their lives so that you know what will chime with them, whether that's illustrations, what applications they need mm. or whatever. What about your rough accent? So again, we, we are wanting to hear uh, more men like us from our background speaking, but then do we have a responsibility when we have somebody from a different culture? I mean, even if we have a southerner come to our church, they can't understand me. Uh, never mind somebody from a from a different country. So even like now I try and temper my accent and, and speak slowly, but I still speak a lot faster than most people. <laughs> so we have a, a woman who's joined us from Nigeria, uh, northern Nigeria, and she can understand my wife and daughter fine. <laughs> But she, she you can see her struggling when I'm preaching, even when I'm going slow. So for those of you who don't know, my wife uh, puts on a telephone voice and pretends she <laughs> likes to pretend she's not from Middlesbrough. Uh, and, and so does one of my daughters. The other one loves it and as rough as I am. But yeah, we need to be authentic. But again, we also need to be sensitive to our congregation, don't we? And maybe yeah, yes. I think that's a massive balancing act, isn't it? Because... I've always said that, especially in a town like Clerk, mm. if you live in Clerk and you can't understand a Yorkshire accent, mm -hmm. you're going to struggle with, not just preaching, you're going to struggle with life, right? Because that's how people talk. And so I want to find that balance. Yeah, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to 
make it so that people can't understand me. Mm. Um, and I probably do speak a bit, a bit yeah. But people don't like it when you say posh, do they? It just means you say your letters. Mm. Um, but that, you know, I, I probably do speak a little more uh, distinctly mm. when I'm when, when I'm in the pulpit. But I also want to say um, our goal, our, our hope is that we're going to have non-Christians in over the years and they're going to get saved and join the church and they're going to be people from here and if we're going to interact and live with them we need to be used to how they how they talk how they interact and etc etc so i almost want people to feel a little uncomfortable sometimes if they're from a different culture i i almost think it's a good thing for people to feel a little uncomfortable because they you know if you, if you or i move to i don't know pakistan or somewhere We'd probably dress a bit different. We'd interact a bit different, and we, you know, we we'd realise we had some assimilation to do, um, living there. Um, and so, if folks come into this community, that there's got to be a certain extent to which they, they, um, they go. Well, yeah, I've got to accept that people speak a little different around it. Um, so I, I kind of think that there's a real balance to strike there, but that depends entirely on who's in and out of the church, doesn't it? And again, I think it's not just a case of uh, finding our voice, but helping others to find theirs, isn't there? Yeah. So I think our biggest complaint wasn't that uh, the church was dominated by white middle-class academia. It was that there wasn't a space for people who was different and uh, were quite happy for that voice to be heard. Uh, but we also want ours to be heard and others who are not like us either. So, yeah, I think the balance is... Uh, I, I don't feel we should assimilate, but I do think we should contextualize. Yeah. Uh, I assimilated to become an accept to become accepted by the majority culture, uh, which is wrong. I don't think we should have forced people to do that, but I do think we should contextualize and help others to find uh, their voice so that we we, we do see uh, a diverse church. Yeah, uh, well, I think that's the thing in it. You know, when the 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 temptation for you and me when we get people who are from a different culture coming in to us and we're training them to preach or whatever. So you've got Nathan or whatever, you know, when he comes in, the temptation is for you to go, well, yeah, you just sound like a Southern shandy drinking softy. Um, and and I, there's a, there's a lad who we're training up up he's, he's, he's done a few sermons at, at our church and, and my temptation is to go, ah, you, you know, you sound like those other guys and that's wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I shut that down in my own head before it comes out hopefully um you know i i'm saying to him look i wouldn't say it like that but that's fine mm-hmm. you know you've got to say it how you did but but that's there's this temptation to say ah you shouldn't mm-hmm. say it like that mm-hmm. because we're basically doing the inverse of 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 what we've been told all our lives so you shouldn't talk like that mm-hmm. um we, we can find ourselves when we we have got people from different cultures in our churches saying, oh, no, you shouldn't talk like that. You should talk like us because, you know, we've got it right. Well, that, that's the thing, isn't it? With, with Nathan coming, he needs to be aware of uh, the working class style and, and, and the language, the colloquialisms. Uh, but he needs to be authentic. Again, for him to start wearing, like, tattoos and shaving his head and wearing, like, 
vests in the pub. He'd look a right numb too, wouldn't he? <laughs> so so he, he's loved by not just the church, but the community because he's genuine, he's authentic. Yeah. And again, it's that authenticity. He's not trying to be anyone different. Uh, he's not assimilating, but he is contextualizing. He's still him, uh, but he's sensitive to the working class culture. He's sensitive to the fact that he's a cultural outsider, yet remains faithful to his own culture and personality, which uh, brings some intrigue and, and, and earns him respect. And again, uh, that's what we need to be, be aiming for, isn't it? I don't want to uh, create a working class church uh, with full of people like me, that would be awful. <laughs> but I, I do want a, a church where white working class people are valued and equipped alongside people of other ethnicities and cultures. And uh, yeah, that's what we want to see, a church that reflects the community. Yeah. But we also want to be an organisation that doesn't just uh, serve the needs of, of Middlesbrough or Cleckheaton or wherever, but serves the needs of the north of England. So that's why we'd be really interested to hear people from uh, different backgrounds and ethnicities who would like to come and, uh, and serve uh, cultures like theirs in the north of England if we could be a vehicle to help people do that. Yeah. Uh, the Creek Collective is, is an awesome uh, organisation in the States. We're going to be interviewing uh, Denis Pierre. Uh, she's one of the board members of that. So hopefully we'll pick up some uh, pointers and, and, and learn a bit from her and, and that can affect Medhurst Ministries being more diverse than it is at the moment. Um, I think we are diverse in the fact we've got two Southerners involved. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cool. Mate, we, we've, we've uh, bashed on for quite a bit there. Is, is there anything you would like to add, even though we've diverted from our original Yeah, topic? indeed. We'll have to do another one about all the other stuff we were going to talk about. <laughs> no, I, I think the thing is, right, um, there are two things out there, and it's, we've got to hold them in tension. Mm. Right? In preaching and just in life, especially as a pastor, you've got to be who the Lord's made you to be, mm. you know, um, you know not being nonsense about being the best version of you or whatever, but he, he, the Lord has, has placed, has shaped us for his use um, from, from all our lives. So, you know, we shouldn't be trying to be somebody else. So there's that. And then on the other hand, you've got to contextualize where you are, mm. you know, and that, that might mean different things to different people in terms of how much you need to do it or where you need to contextualize. But, We've got to hold those things in tension. You've got to be authentically you, but also contextualized for your area. Mm. Um, and I think that's a hard line to walk sometimes. Mm. Um, and you will make, we, we all make stuff ups on that. But as long as people see that you're trying, as long as people see that you're, you're, you're just being you, but you're also, you're also trying to make sacrifices and changes to to help them see Jesus. People can forgive you quite a lot, I think, in that situation. Cool. Brilliant. Cheers, Graham. Thanks, and, Matt. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll chat some more next week about the original topics we were going to talk about. <laughs> but until then, uh, thank you all for joining us on the In Context podcast.